So hello and welcome to another episode of the Sliding Doors podcast. For those of you that haven't joined us before, uh, it's a look back at kind of those what if moments, those uh, sliding door moments in life where, you know, maybe you didn't take that opportunity. And we, we kind of link those to three categories. So that's uh, kind of love and relationships, work and career. And then we always have a, a wild card category. Uh, and we're joined today by Amandeep. So I'm going to hand over to Amandeep now to introduce herself. Hi, yeah, yeah. Uh, my name's Amandeep and I am um, currently in the profession of the world of um, HR. Um, I sit as a ER advisor, so I sort of came from a very generalist background, worked my way up through sort of very conventional. A lot of I got into HR quite late, so mm. I did the conventional. I don't know if I can say conventional because not everybody's had the same journey as me, but um, everybody I've met who I worked through was in the very similar um, boat that I worked my way up through HR admin and sort of did assistant and um, advisor and now I'm at um, and now I'm at a regional ER advisor role so that's where I'm in terms of my career I've sort of um, got five years under my belt coming up to and just really enjoying my life in the west here really so I, I'm, I'm from sort of outskirts of London sort of North okay. Kent but I'm now residing over in the west over by in between Bath and Bristol so I'm absolutely loving it over here and I have no plans on leaving because everyone's very very friendly (laughs) (laughs) good uh so we'll we'll kick straight into a kind of our 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 first category um and that's kind of sliding door moment around kind of relationships so what's your sliding door moment there so I think really so in terms of relationships you know you, you could go on and on in regards mm. to relationships, but I guess um, probably one of the most, I was going to pick my other half and sort of um, <laughs> talk about that. We're, we're 12 years in and um, sickeningly, he's my best friend. <laughs> um, I love him to pieces. I wind him up and um, he's just brilliant. You know, we, mm. we've really evolved together as, as two separate people and, and within our relationship, but I'm actually going to probably pick my relationship with my mother and my mm. father with my parents really I think coming from the background that I'm that I grew up in you know I'm, I'm a real uh, millennial baby so mm. I'm 85 and I grew up sort of um, for, with immigrant parents in the sense that they came over in the 60s my grandparents and uh, they sort of based near just London and I think growing up I was very much raised in a very strict household you know mm. um, firm but fair um, being one of five children and the majority of them being girls you know when you've got immigrant mm. parents from a certain culture um, I, I'm ba- uh, basically with Sikh and they're very very religious but also coming to a new country and having to work and uprooting your life so I think the relationship with my parents was you know very um, I want to say it was very rocky, but I was a teenager, you know, mm. we all have rocky relationships of dealing with our hormones and, and life. And really growing up, I was Indian um, in, in, you know, in my blood, in my bloodline, but I was in, I've been raised as, you know, an English person. Yeah. So I don't have that. I had that separate culture with my parents of, they knew the Indian culture over in mm. India in, you know, the seventies, you know, I, I was born in the eighties and have known England through and through. So I think, um, growing up really it's it's about being in the English culture and learning the way of life here in the 80s mm. 90s as I'm growing up and and having that relationship with my parents and saying I, I'm you know for example something silly like 
you know, I go to a mix, I went to a Church of England mixed school, you know, mixed sex, mixed yeah. every mixed faiths. And really my mum sort of said to me, you know, don't go talking to boys, don't talk to these sort of people, you know. Sometimes really the general like, mum, you can't say that, that's really <laughs> racist or really wrong and really, you know, a lot of that. So my really my sort of defining moment was sort of when my when my sort of dad um had a heart attack and had to have a triple heart bypass surgery and really it was that relationship that was me being embarrassed of them mm. and saying please don't say that you know certain people do this or certain sexes can't do that and putting those boundaries and really it was me always fighting that resistance against my parents and realizing that they weren't you know they weren't as um they weren't the oxes that were strong all the mm. time you know that they, they do wear down after time if you keep testing them and they're human and they're they make mistakes and they're not perfect they just try their best so I think really it's about my dad becoming ill and me stepping back and going hang on a minute he tried his best and really starting to reshape that relationship with him and and everything he did was for the best even if it wasn't always in the format mm -hmm. that I felt that it was so really I think they sort of shaped a lot of my opinions and also in my career you know that their philosophy was if you've got a job stick to it you're lucky mm. that's what we get and I was stuck in that mode for a long long time until I sort of very much came back from traveling in my late 20s and decided that I wasn't going to waste my life in you know one job for six seven years which is what they had taught me and I'd taken on I got the security but I realized that as, as they were trying to do their best with me, everything they taught me, I was really questioning. So really it's sort of no to my parents to sort of say, you know, they tried their best with me and I'm sorry I was a pain in the backside. <laughs> but I do, I do learn and I am still learning, I think, really. I, I think there's just, there's just a, few, a few things I want to pick up on there. So first of all, thanks for share, sharing that. I think that's a, that's a really interesting insight in terms of kind of like say so you don't necessarily appreciate it in terms of you know obviously that's not that wasn't my experience growing up there's there's a lot of similarities there in terms of um you know generation generationally similar generation to yourself similar yeah. generation of parents that probably had a certain view on things kind of growing up um certain you know certainly that kind of um that strict but fair piece I think that that bit stuck out in terms of that was very much the same as us um I'd be interested to kind of hear what your your split was so you mentioned you're one of five I'm also one of five so it's interesting yeah. that uh to, I would be interested to kind of hear your your split I know you said majority girls is it all girls is it what's your so so we were so we, we literally have four girls mm -hmm. and I'm second and so it's so sort of it started in the the bout of girls the girl train we call it the, uh, the first my oldest sister was born in 83 and then we're all two years apart mm. and then we got a little prince that came through in 1996 <laughs> eventually when I was 11 years old much much to my dismay I re uh, at that point I knew I, I'd had some form of sex education so I was afterwards I got over the disgust from my mother <laughs> and father and my lovely little brother came into the world mm. and um yeah so we're, we're generationally 80s 80s babies all the girls and then my brother is a 90s baby so that split was mm. interesting growing up as well how about you what, what where have you uh, so we, we're um again it's a, it's a 
it's a bit of a wider split. So there's um, the older three, as we as we kind of call them in our family, are 70s babies. And then there's me and the closest, like the next one up, my closest sister. We're both 80s babies. But again, we're, we're split in terms of she was sort of early 80s. I'm then towards the end of the 80s. Um, so yeah, there was that real split. And like you say, that, that bit around a little prince coming on, that's how I was probably looked at in terms of when I, when I arrived. Um, and certainly that, I'm sure my, my eldest sister will be able to relate to that, that disgust that parents had, had gone again. Um, so that, yeah, I find that really interesting. And I also find it really interesting, like you say, as, as then your parents get older, I probably had a, a sim again, a, kind of being able to relate to that in terms of um, my dad, again, had, you know, kind of health issues. It's, it's then around ensuring that they're a bit more PC as, the, as obviously the world's kind of developed and, you know, yeah. we can't have that sort of view on things anymore. And, and yeah, that, that does put, like you say, does put a bit of a strain on the relationship, doesn't it? But I think it's, it's just, learning to kind of appreciate like you say they they have got older times have moved on kind of seeing things through their eyes as much as as much as through our own isn't it absolutely and you know i really i really think about that because you know when we talk about experiences you know if your parents grew up in another era let's let's pick on era just for the sake of it mm. of, of that you know my father's experiences are very much closely related to race just just mm. because he was an immigrant and so he has got strong feelings on on how we're treated as, you know, based on the colour of your skin, um, let alone based on your class and your sex, but mm. based on the colour of your skin. So I'm very careful as I've got older to say to him, you know, rather than saying, Dad, you can't say that, I now understand my dad is saying this because he's gone through this experience and it was horrendous, mm. you know, because we, they sacrificed a lot for us to be where we are. So whereas now I try and say, Dad, why have you got that opinion? And he says it and I think, OK, that's really harsh. Mm. But if that's your opinion, I really respect that. Going forward, the only thing I can do is say that I can either challenge it in my experiences or I can say I respect where you're coming from. Mm. I don't necessarily agree that that's how we are going forward, but I respect where you are with that. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really, a really good way of putting it. And then the, the the final bit I want to touch on, and, and it will lead nicely, I guess, into our next category is is that bit you touched on around career and the whole job for life mentality, because I I was certainly that was kind of passed on to me, I guess, was, you know, you get to certain organizations. So, for example, I worked for Marks and Spencer's when I when I started working there, obviously, from from my perspective, yes, they're a good employer, but from a a parents you know a more generational approach that it that they are the employer from a retail perspective and therefore you should stay there forever um and again i i you know did a couple of years there realized it wasn't for me it was that was probably the tipping point that kind of pushed me into hr and where i am now so i think yeah it was really interesting really interesting from my perspective to kind of hear that somebody else had had that as well from their, their from their parents in terms of it's not just um, not just mine. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I see the difference already in terms of just the gener generations and what they expect, what they want from their employers and and what their aspirations are. I, I don't mm. see this employer for life anymore. I see this mm. as a I see them saying, 
here are my skills how are you going to utilize me um the different mindset is really interesting because mm. i feel as a millennial um i've got that old school that mix of that old school link to my parents but challenging it and trying to be progressive and trying mm. to work in this world that's always changing especially with the market the job market and particularly in hr uh, what's going on with with the job market there and our skill sets and what's coming up i'm always interested in seeing what's going on there even though I'm more than happy in my role, I just find yeah. it really interesting, you know, especially with recruitment and that sort of talent piece of, of what we do with your current employees and, mm. and and your workforce. So I think that I found really, really interesting and I find it really, really interesting to look at socially as well. Mm. You know, the different when we do go back into the office, you know, whatever the new norm is to see those relationships and how they develop. Absolutely. And I think that, that takes us nicely onto our, our second category, which is all around kind of work and, and career. So we've already kind of touched on it, I guess, that you, you, know, you work in HR, but what's what's your kind of sliding door moment there? So I think my sliding door moment was actually in the, so that so the, the lovely pandemic hit, um, which we all um, remember because we're still in the midst <laughs> of it, right? But I think when we sort of went into lockdown in March, full lockdown and it was our first experience mm. I coped quite well throughout that year I was very lucky I was very steady in my role I worked from home however what happened was after a year of just having to keep my mind and my life together I was really lucky you know I was able to pay my mortgage my bills my other half was doing well in his role we, we were sitting relatively pretty actually mm. in the grand scheme of things same same storm but different boat you know that sort of analogy yeah, that mentality, yeah yeah and then I think in terms of my career what happened was I just had this moment where I wasn't gelling with the culture and I realized that I was doing everything else right I was following the right trajectory but really in, in my in my soul and my and my personal relationships at work I just it wasn't hitting the mark and mm. I think I sort of had a moment in January the year after where we were still in full lockdown it wasn't getting any better I felt that my mental health really hit a pothole I didn't feel it declining no I just held on so tight that I was okay and I should be grateful you know my parents mentality you're lucky look at somebody else down the road or look at everybody else they're really struggling what are you struggling for you should shouldn't be ungrateful but I just had to have that moment where I just not broke down, but I just let my mind sort of have a moment where I thought, why do you feel you're not good enough? Why do you feel you can't progress? Why do you feel, you know, hopeless in the role that you're in? And I think I sort of had to really reevaluate and say, you know, where do you want to go? You can't be stuck in a job again that, you know, you're, you're unhappy and that's, that's your responsibility to look at. So I left, handed in my notice and, I left on good terms, you know, mm. uh, but I left at breaking point in my head where I just didn't take responsibility for how I was feeling. So I left a permanent role and I went into a fixed term role because I needed something different. Um, and my other half sort of said to me, look, you know, as long as you can bring up your half of the bills and, and the mortgage and stuff, and, and we're very equal, you know, he mm. will support me, but he's very real in the sense of, you know, do what you want to do, but you know, we, we, money does make the world mm. go round. It's a necessary <laughs> evil. So do what you want to do, but 
you know, just make sure you're happy and, and we can keep our home and our security. So I think that was my moment, you know, maybe two, two years ago, not even, where I just had that moment where I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of coming up to my late 30s, which I don't want to admit, but I am. And while I feel great in one way, I feel more comfortable in my skin than I ever have in my career. It was only two years ago that I felt, what am I doing? You know, and I love, I love being in HR which is I don't know if it if I'm the right person for it because I'm weirdly kooky outside of work Mm -hmm. but inside of work I say the right things and I believe the right things but I just need to have a culture where if you say something as an employer you have to really believe it because Mm -hmm. I have to put that into practice I have to guide and I have to have those difficult conversations sometimes and I think that's where I was at those two points weren't meeting so in my career, sort of in January, a couple of years ago, I took that really scary leap of going into a fixed term contract. And it was the best thing I ever did, you know, to take that chance. And I and I would just so first of all, that, that from a great share from my perspective, but also a couple again, a couple of things I just want to add in there that um, I, I found myself in a, probably a similar position to you before in terms of. I was in a, a secure HR role, permanent, but it wasn't, didn't fulfill me, didn't, didn't make me happy. Um, you know, I wasn't getting the career development. It wasn't necessarily helping me from a, a personal perspective. It just, it just didn't make me happy. Um, and again, I, I had probably a similar conversation with my wife around, there's this fixed term contract that's come up. I want to apply, it's better money. But it's a risk, isn't it? As we as we know, fixed term contracts a risk. Um, and this, luckily for me, this moment kind of happened pre-pandemic. If we can if we can remember back that far. Um, but this, yeah, so towards the end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty, and um, it was kind of that moment where I I need to do this. I need to do this for me. I need to do this to kind of make myself happy. Um, and then lo and behold, six weeks six weeks later, the pandemic hits, and I'm in a fixed term role. So, in you know, immediate concern there. But luckily, though, that employer at the time um, saw that they kind of saw the, the the value in that. In that, um, you know, we're now in a pandemic. He's taking a risk to come here. We're going to offer him the chance to go permanent. He's, you know, I've, I've obviously I was obviously doing a good enough job in that kind of first six weeks for them to consider that. I don't think it was just a oh, it's right. the pandemic and we're going to be nice. I think, you know, there, there might have been a bit of good work there alongside that. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll be kind of forever grateful that that happened. But also, yeah, I think it just, the bottom line is you have to bet on yourself. You have to kind of make yourself Absolutely. as happy as you can be to kind of take then, like you say, that that full self into your role, isn't it? In terms of, yeah. you know, we as HR, and, and for those listening that aren't in HR, we we probably have had a, a tough pandemic in terms of a lot of a lot of what people have asked has come through us in in one way or another and i don't think that's necessarily been reflected um you know again we're not i'm not then taken away from some of the excellent work that other services have done that's not what i'm saying but you know for a lot of organizations hr have been kind of fundamental in in delivering furlough messages or redundancies or whatever it may be um, yeah. and we've we've had to react in a way that 
we never would have expected. Um, and I, I just wanted to kind of circle back as well to the to the beginning where you kind of mentioned that you know you've you've done every role in HR is, is kind of where you know, where you are now. Um, so just if you wouldn't mind just kind of talking us through that for obviously those that aren't familiar with kind of those HR structures and those HR roles, just a kind of a brief overview of, of where where your journey's led you, I guess. Okay. So sorry. So when I said I've, I've done um, all the roles in terms of the HR generalist route, so I would say the very conventional HR admin, HR mm. assistant, HR advisor. And then at that point, um, I've chosen to go into ER and get my get my exposure up that way so in terms of um the the hr heads who do know that it's a growing field you know you've got talent acquisition you've got recruitment you've got all sorts of um growth areas so it's just becoming um you know that people function it's being rebranded it's the people function but you know hr is growing so i'm i've sort of worked my way up through uh, you know a very big law firm and and gone in as hr admin and um why that was great is very structured all the mm. you know for example you go in and somebody says um we need you to start processing these letters for maternity paternity sickness leave anything that needed a letter that was that admin function there was a template there mm. there was a process there was a manual there's a great big bible plonk it down in front of you off you go start churning out the letters and that's how I learned very very much um, old school sit down read and go through um, that's when I realized that there there was something in that sort of I want to start talking to people I'm a people mm. person and it's really now I'm going to say something really controversial I am a people person however when you go into a role where you are constantly people facing or it's all about people you begin to realize how sometimes you hate people sometimes and I'm going to say this I'm going to say hate it's a very strong word but I'm going to say it controversially because I love communicating I love talking to people but the difference in when you do it as a role is you don't speak to people that are always on the same level as you level as you are so you start to realise that you're talking to people who don't have the same views, who don't mm-hmm. agree with you, who deliver things in a different way to you. And I, that's the one thing I love about HR. You learn what you'd like to do and what you definitely won't do going forward. You know, you see that delivery in your role. So I think as, as a HR advisor, I really enjoyed that part. And I think that's what led me to go on to ER advisor because I'm, I believe to push myself, I need to have difficult conversations, you know, and I don't want to be seen as the face as every time I come into a business because I'm an ER advisor, they think someone's in trouble here. She's only here because someone's in trouble. I want to start changing that perception of HR and particularly ER, you know, they're difficult conversations, but to go to that, to that generalist route and stay broad and then start to specialize makes you realize that, you've got those strengths or you want to work on weaknesses you know I think it depends how you how you want to go in that role so I've worked in big law firm big corporate sort of environment I'm now in hospitality but I've also worked for housing associations I've worked for utility companies um, and they've all been really big in size Mm -hmm. in, in terms of their employee numbers been really flexible but some have been really rigid some teams have been growing and downsizing and and that HR function, like you say, throughout the pandemic, HR has helped deliver mm-hmm. with businesses 
downsizing, upsizing, changing structures. There's a lot that's gone on. And for somebody who who came from admin, it's been invaluable. You know, you learn so much, but you're right. You know, as a non, the non-HR heads, you know, how, how you deliver, you might not see that HR, HR should be there to guide, really. I don't believe HR should be the police, but I don't know if that's a new mindset. And, you know, I go in, I don't want to go in and be isolated as a HR person. I want to sit with, you know, teams and I want to get to know people. I want to help deliver policies and help people through absences or, you know, anything to do with family leave or family policies. I don't want people to come to HR thinking they're going to meet resistance. I want them to come to HR to say, we're real people. This is a real life situation. You know, a lot of life happens. And I think that's where me going forward is where I want to be. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. And I think that will hopefully add for those listening that aren't HR related, will hopefully um, be able to grasp that as well. Cause I, I certainly uh, kind of, echo echo that in terms of and i've you know i've been on a similar journey i know we've discussed it previously um but yeah it just i think it is kind of key to understand that you know we, we don't just sit behind a desk and and be fun police we are involved in trying to make it better for you as well we're not all we're not all negative absolutely um, so that, there is an element of it definitely because yeah. <laughs> you can't have as much fun being in hr because you're like that's just on the cusp but <laughs> I agree. We're not the other way no. either, you know. No, so. uh, and that that takes us kind of nicely on to our our third and final category. So this is um, the wild card, and this is all kind of over to you in terms of what's your kind of specific wild card. Mo- yeah, sorry, sliding door moment uh, that you want to share with us. I think, in all honesty. Uh, you know I sort of have this um so recently I've just celebrated a birthday and I've sort of um as I've gone as I've gone through the years I've realized what what my sort of um what what makes me happy in life Mm. and um I think sort of realizing that again it's very much linked to my career and my family that you know all I want to do for this birthday and I am really really conscious that I'm going to sound my age now (laughs) is that you know, this weekend, all I've done is go, go to see my parents. Mm. I've eaten food. I've sat and played cards with them. So, I, and and really, it's just having that moment where I realise my parents won't be around forever. And I don't want to be too yeah. morbid, but no. I'm quite, I'm a realist that I want to get as many moments in with my parents. I want to get as many moments in with my nephew, with my sisters, with my brother. And really, it's to say, you know, my parents won't be here forever you know, this pandemic has really made me realise that the way I utilise my time is really, really important to me. And I think I've had quite a, an extreme shift of mentality where I really resist a lot of things. I like to question, I like to be questioned. And I think going forward, I really questioned, you know, was HR fulfilling for me? Yep. You know, like, I'm a real empath. I cry at everything. I cry if I see a bee. <laughs> in the sky you know and it, it and my other half sort of looks at me and he says I can't believe you're in HR mm. sometimes how can you deliver this and this sort of stuff when you cry at everything and I, I sort of said to him I'm sick of holding in who I am as a person mm. you know I am allowed to be this person and I am allowed to try and change the world through HR which sounds really cheesy because I think real life work you know changing lives is 
doctors, surgeons, you know, mm. people who go abroad and and help with housing and social crisis, you know, in other countries and in this country and care about politics and going forwards. And I think particularly with my career and and what's going on with, with Bojo, I'm going to call him Bojo, you know, at the moment, <laughs> I feel it's really important to stay positive, yeah. but also be realist. And, you know, I think the key thing for me is to say, say what you see, you know, for example, Boris, you know, I'm not a fan of the Conservatives and I never have been, but I did respect Boris because he had, he cared about people and he showed them in his, you know, in, in his manifestos and his policies. But I'm very, very aware that, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He's made mm. mistakes, but he's tried his best. And without going into the politics of whether you, you're for or against the Tories, really, my, my view is going forwards. I want to see people care, whether you're mm. in politics or in HR. I don't want it to be about money. I don't want it to be about how, you know, the energy crisis and and how when I want to see solutions, I want to see people saying we're going to go through an energy crisis. We've got, you know, a party that we've potentially lost a lot of faith in. But how can we get better going forward? Can we forgive them? Can we forget? How can we rectify it? And I think um, being positive isn't about smiling all the time, even though we're going through pardon my language, this shit show. It's about being honest and saying he made a really bad mistake there or I made a really bad mistake. Am I genuinely going to put my hands up and say sorry? And and how can I rectify it going forward? And how can I get that faith back, I think? So really, it's just about not being too negative mm. and, and being positive and, and everything ties into life. And we're not, and that mortality, you know, of, of saying my parents aren't always going to be here but how can I make sure that I spend enough time with them to get those good memories and not be, not be so cynical going forward. You know, I want to be that, uh, the HR head, I want to be that person in HR in, in 20 years time where I can help to mentor people. I can mm-hmm. give someone that faith in, in the profession and in business and in, and, and being growing up in, in the UK in England specifically, you know, it, it's a, it's a great place to be in life is, really really good there's so much opportunity still it's just I want to be that person to make sure going forward I inspire people you know through through honest conversations and not feel like they've got nowhere to go or they've got no you know empire to build you can do mm. anything you want we just have to we just have to inspire each other I think you're right and I think it's you that kind of how do I put it it's, it's not it's not morbid to start thinking about this. I think a lot of people are our kind of generation start to think this. I certainly reflect on it with my dad not being here in terms of kind of, you know, there's things that I'll never get to tell him. There's never there's things that he'll never get to see. Um, I think it's, you know, it's something that on reflection I should have thought about earlier. You know, you, you kind of think that they'll always be here. So I don't have to think like that. That was certainly how I thought in my twenties. And then, you know, he sadly passed away the day after I turned 30. So I didn't really have that reflection time in my thirties to say, let's build better relationships. You kind of, you go through life in your twenties and then before you know it, these, these things have happened, unfortunately. Um, but you're right in terms of, yeah, just it's about recognizing that taking the opportunity while you still can and, and and kind of not 
yeah, not thinking about too much of things we can't influence. All you can influence is what you can influence, isn't it? Like you say, you want to, in 20 years time, be, be saying, oh, I've mentored someone, I've done something, especially from a HR point of view, we don't tend to reinvent the wheel. We tend to keep the wheel turning would be my analogy. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I certainly look at it in, in kind of, yeah, where do I want to be in 10 years, 20 years? I, I, I want to be somewhere similar. I want to be of, of, of given back in terms of, okay. you know, people have given to me, I, I want to be in a position to, to kind of give something back to somebody else and have helped someone progress to, to their role or, or whatever. So no, I, f- I fully get that. Um, yeah, I fully get that. Um, and I, I think at that point we're going to, we're going to bring the show to an end. So just thank you for your time. And, uh, sure. thank you for having if, you me. Can, if you can like share and subscribe everyone and we'll, we'll see you all soon. Goodbye guys. Great.